Welcome to Living Water Radio. We in the kingdom of God, in the church, the body of Christ, are called to live as servants of God and of one another. Why? Do we get points? Does God hear our prayers better? Today we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkadall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. I heard a story a while ago about being a VIP. The Pope was in New York to speak before the General Assembly at the United Nations building. On the morning he was to speak, as he and his entourage came out of the hotel where they were staying, he was running late. As they rushed to the Pope-mobile, an aide ran up and said that the Pope-mobile had a flat tire. The Pope said, don't worry, I'll meet you there, and he jumped into a cab. The United Nations building, the Pope said, climbing in in his Pope robes. The driver was stunned and said, Your Holiness, Your Holiness, I'm sorry, but this is my first day on the job, and I don't know where it is. It's okay, said the Pope. I know the way, but I'm late, so I'll need to drive. And with that, the driver slid over, and the Pope jumped into the front seat and sped away. The Pope was flying through Manhattan, cutting through traffic, speeding through yellow lights, and then the flashing red and blue lights appeared in his rearview mirror, and he pulled over. The police officer approached the cab, looked at the driver, and went back to his patrol car to contact his precinct. Sarge, I've got a situation, he said. What is it, said the sergeant. I just pulled over a VIP, said the officer. What should I do? Well, who is it, said the sergeant. Is it an alderman? No, he's way more important than that. Well, is it the mayor? No, way more important. Is it the governor? Look, the police officer said, I don't know who it is, but he has the Pope for a driver. Two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, wanted to be VIPs. They had followed Jesus and felt that they deserved to ask for a reward in return. They had asked Jesus in Mark 10, verse 37b, Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. They wanted to be in the picture, the ones everybody saw when they looked at Jesus. They wanted to be near power, in positions of power, to be the entourage, and they thought of it first. In Mark 10, 41, we get the other disciples' response. When the ten heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. Why were they angry with them? Were they angry because so little of Jesus' teaching had sunk in with their fellow disciples? Or were they angry with themselves because they hadn't asked first? Jesus' response, I think, indicates the latter. Jesus called all of the disciples together to hear his answer, resuming with Mark 10, 42. So Jesus called them and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. Jesus put their behavior in the context of those around them. 
the Gentiles, the non-Jews of the world surrounding them were the Romans, and those whose lives had been greatly changed by the coming of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire was highly hierarchical, all the way up to the emperor. It started in the military. You couldn't get a highly sought-after job in the civil service unless you had first served in the military. The primary way the Jews interfaced with the empire was through the military and the civil service. And Jesus knew how people behaved in a hierarchy. He said to his disciples, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. Among the Gentiles, Jesus said, position was power. It's different in the kingdom of God, Jesus says. Jesus continues in Mark 10 with verse 43. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to become first among you must be slave of all. This is not your typical motivational speech. You don't see those words on a poster in anyone's cubicle. Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Who aspires to be a servant or a slave? In a household, their jobs were the lowest. Ted Sample, in his book Hard Living People and Mainstream Christians, I think, says that some hard living people will say things like, I don't take nothing from nobody. But if you look at their lives, they are at the bottom of the food chain. They have to take everything from everybody, and their lives are filled with anger and frustration. Who do you recognize as the rulers of your life? Do they lord it over you, or do they serve you? Which would you rather have? Martha was stressed taking care of and feeding Jesus and his disciples. Mary sat with the disciples listening to what Jesus taught. I remember a serendipity Bible study I taught once that asked, who would you rather work for, a Mary or a Martha? And then it asked, who would you rather have work for you, a Mary or a Martha? Things look different depending on where you are in a hierarchy, being lorded over or being the one doing the lording over. I think that addressing this issue can be one of the key contributions that the Church makes to our culture as we move out of the pandemic and into the new normal. Are we to be lords and tyrants, or servants and slaves? What we model to the world in the way we treat one another can make all the difference in getting through this pandemic and overcome our current cultural divides. Cosmos, one of our local restaurants, has a sign in its drive through window that says something like, We apologize if you had to wait. We are short-staffed. Please be patient with those who did show up today. No one wants to work anymore. We are experiencing a labor shortage in many industries. Is it because we are still at risk of receiving and spreading the virus? Is it because there are still many who don't care about others? Is it because people can get by with food pantries and stimulus checks? Or is it because they got used to doing whatever they wanted while in isolation from others? Probably all of those, but I would add one more. Maybe another factor is that some people got used to setting their own agenda and just don't want to deal with the workplace pressures, the drama, the politics, and being supervised by people who lord it over them. 
A book was published in the late 1960s called The Peter Principle. The author, Lawrence J. Peter, observed that in any hierarchical organization, people rise to the level of their incompetence. That is, that if you do well at your job, you get promoted. If you do well at that job, you get promoted. If you do well at that job, you get promoted, and so on up through the hierarchy. Until you don't do well, then you don't get promoted. So, in any mature hierarchical organization, everyone is working at their level of incompetence. That explains a lot, doesn't it? What would we have to do to keep that from happening? Well, imagine what would happen if everyone in a hierarchical organization wasn't looking for an opportunity to move up, but for a chance to better serve. What if everyone rose to the level of their greatest contribution and had the humility to recognize their true limitations? I'm not talking about promoting poor self-esteem or our lack of ambition, but about redefining it from what serves me or even what serves the organization to what serves God from seeking power over others to being the servant and slave of others because we first serve God. Bob Dylan said it in his song, You Gotta Serve Somebody. The first chorus and verse goes, You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with long strings of pearls. But you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. That's one of life's basic questions, isn't it? Who do you serve? We all serve somebody. Is life only about serving ourselves? Or is there something more? We in the kingdom of God, in the church, the body of Christ, are called to live as slaves or in a more palatable phrase, as servants of one another, because we are servants of God. Why? Do we get points? Does God hear our prayers better? We get the answer in the last verse of this passage in Mark 10, verse 45. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. We live in response to what God has already done for us on the cross, We can't earn it. We were captive to sin, but Jesus paid the ransom for us with his blood. We live as a new creation, as people who are different, born again in a living relationship with the one true living God. That relationship expresses itself in service to one another naturally and organically in the body of Christ. Paul writes to the church at Galatia in Galatians 5, 13 and 14, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why? And how does this happen? As John writes in 1 John 4.19, We love because he first loved us. We are servants in response to God's love for us, shown on the cross. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccine, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at therevsdavidandsally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal, and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to the same addresses, and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders, pray for them, and help them in any way that you can. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Get your vaccine. It is the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Avoid crowds if you can and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.